That's Dusty Springfield, our featured female vocalist on JJ's Music Box today. I always look forward to inviting Joan Javeri into the studio and today he's braved the elements and come along to open up his box for of musical delights. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Sadia. <laughs> it's been quite something braving the elements. You know, we're just getting the water off my music box was I know, and I and I get very concerned about all the lovely tracks you've got in there. So now, Dusty Springfield, you've chosen today. Yes, I thought that uh, we should pay a visit to the UK for yes. a change. You know, it was after all uh, the Queen's uh, yes. Platinum Jubilee, Absolutely. and I don't know if you had a chance to see that very little nice little sketch she did with Paddington Bear. Oh, it's so sweet! Oh my goodness, you've just shown me that, and I actually <laughs> missed it, and it was absolutely fantastic. It's so British, amazingly. Yeah. So I thought it you know, would be nice, um, a nice little segue into featuring an artist, uh, a female artist, which has, um, uh, was one of the foremost members of the so-called British invasion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so actually, I know that you're not allowed to drink on the job, mm-hmm. but if we were to serve, serve up a cocktail of Martha Reeves, Aretha Franklin... Peggy Lee and Astrid Gilberto, whom we featured in our concert, then uh-huh. you would get Dusty Springfield. Ah, oh, really? Oh, my goodness. So she's amazingly talented then. Oh, yes. And, you know, career would span nearly five decades. And again, one of those with no formal training in music. Okay. In fact, she couldn't even read and write music. And that sometimes caused her difficulties talking to or communicating with sessions, musicians inside the studio. But that didn't stop her. And, um, you know, the difference between uh, one of the key uh, things that I want to mention about her is that the other artists whom we have featured, they've had number ones galore. They Mm -hmm. have had, you know, hit singles and hit albums galore and sold millions of copies and all of that. Dusty does not belong to that category. In fact, she only had one number one in her entire career. Oh, God. Okay. I mean, she had a lot of songs which went into the top 10 or top 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, um, has, hadn't seen, hasn't, she hasn't seen the kind of commercial success which some of these other female artists have. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad. I think this is really sad that she was recognized or she gained recognition after her death. Oh, that's so sad. And that wasn't actually long ago. No, it was 1999. Yes. It was just a few weeks shy of her 60th birthday. Mm -hmm. Mm. Right. And, you know, on the day that she passed away, and really, what was really tragic was that on the day that she passed away, she was supposed to collect her OBE from Buckingham Palace. Oh, no. Which they gave her a couple of months before she passed away Uh in January when she was in hospital. So... There was a special dispensation. Okay. So, yeah. That's, that's quite tragic, isn't it? That's so sad. Yeah. And very unique voice, very pure. Um, and as I said, you know, cocktail of everything. You know, it was at times strident, at times vulnerable, at times sexy and sultry, like the first track that yes. you just played, yes. Yes. Um, um, The Look of Love. Mm-hmm. So that's Dusty. No, she's got a beautiful voice. I hadn't realised that she was, you know, because I suppose she didn't have that popular, uh, as you said, like she was she was not as popular as some of the others. That Why is that? I mean, what happened? Is it just that 
you know the right the right place the right time to actually get that promotion what happened you know i guess so um also her type of music um was kind of mainstream and but it wasn't and i think that you know you got things like for instance you talk about the british invasion right which began began in like 63 or whatever which is when she had her first hit single um she was overshadowed by the beatles Mm, there was too much going on in Britain at that time. Yes, she was mm. completely overshadowed. And when you have some something as, you know, great and massive as the Beatles, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, I can know. imagine. But uh, she was, I would say that in the United States, she was number two after them. Mm. You know, so, I mean, um, you know, look at her career. I mean, it's not only about music but she was also considered a fashion icon of the swinging 60s. Yeah, she was quite funky, wasn't she? Oh, her, yes. her dress sense. The bouffant and the yeah. peroxide hair yeah. and you know the makeup and all sorts of things, you know. So she was considered quite a trailblazer in that area. Mhm. And you know, how about like what is it that got people interested in her? I mean, you told you she only had one at number 1. Yeah. Well, she was uh, uh it's the voice it's the uh, um uh, you know she was different and there was a genre in those days which was called blue eyed soul mm -hmm. soul was something which was considered the preserve of black musicians mm -hmm. and any quote unquote white person who sang that uh he was classified as blue eyed soul okay okay <laughs> and you know she was obviously uh, the fact that she was from the uk and she had got this a unique voice and all that she you she should grab your attention mm. in fact uh, what really brought her was her first hit single in 1963 um uh, which was uh um let me just try and recall what it was uh mm, i only you want to be Uh, with you. Oh, that's quite a famous yes, it's one. It's a very isn't it? very famous yes, one. Yes. It was I think it was it was very very similar to the pop kind of genre of those days and you know it was recorded um in the style of the so-called wall of sound so they had layers upon layers of instruments going on and here was this voice which came through. Okay. And um that's 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 what um, brought her to the notice of um uh the americans public and the british public but obviously it was the look of love which was on the soundtrack of that bond spoof casino royale uh-huh uh-huh that uh, that that that, mm. that uh, you know gained her a lot of recognition mm -hmm. and it was completely different i mean for the kind was that song the look of love is slow It is a beautiful song. Yeah. Was um a lot of these songs that she did um was she involved in writing them as well? Was it something or did she actually have somebody else doing the the actual writing? She did write a few but she said at a point that uh, she did not quite enjoy the process of writing. Mm -hmm. She'd rather sing something which was done by somebody else. Okay. So in fact her first very first album um A Girl Called Dusty they're all cover versions. Okay. Okay. She did covers right. essentially. Um later on um the she sang a lot of songs written by the duo of Bert Bacharach and um Hal David. Okay. And and did she kind of get into that zone of I suppose quite a few of these artists 
get popularity through being with, say, recognised groups and, you know, singing with them, feature being featured in their tracks. Like, you know, the first track I played, obviously, was, um, you know, Nothing Has Been Proved, and that was mm. with the Pet Shop Boys. So is yeah. that a little bit of a corrupting of their of their talent, do you think? I know that you kind of heard that. I'm, like, mm, I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, there's always a risk that that can happen. I don't, I don't see anything wrong, or I don't. I think that collaboration is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, having done collab, having been part a part of collaborations myself, it often gives rise to some very interesting musical ideas. But there's always a risk. I mean, and this, this, you can treat this as a subjective opinion. Mm-hmm. But you know, for a for me, what stood out about Dusty was her voice, mm-hmm. that pitch perfect, beautiful voice. And when you add techno layers and all kinds of other things, it and, drowns and, it. And, and I, I'm sorry to say this, but it's just that I find music like the Pet Shop Boys has a certain camp sensibility which does not work with her. That's right. all I feel. Okay. You know, of I, course, I, it well did 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 well in, on the charts or whatever it is, and you know, yeah. Um, and um, I suppose there was also. Um, but there is a purity that doesn't come. No. You that you cannot hear no. when it's being drowned by other music and things like that. That is correct. Tech. That is correct. Okay. And this is something which her producers. In fact, do you know one thing that she produced most of her songs herself, but never got credited for it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what it, I don't know whether she did not want to or um, I mean that's that's not something that we know about mm-hmm. and it's quite possible because mm-hmm. I, I I would be very surprised if they did it deliberately and she let them continue to do it mm-hmm. yeah mm. but it was um, in fact her first album that was produced by um, somebody else was Dusty in Memphis which was uh, recorded in I think in sixty eight and um, uh, released in 69 mm-hmm. and that really put her on the map wow okay yeah and uh she did a lot of songs uh with uh, uh both these uh, the, with bird backrack and uh, hal david um and there was one song in that album particularly which was originally written uh, by, uh, for Aretha Flank franklin and aretha mm-hmm. franklin was also one of her idols okay. dusty's idols all right but Dusty sang it, and then it was reprised by Aretha Franklin again. And Aretha Franklin's number got her version became very popular. Although Dusty's version was popular, mm-hmm. and I'd like you to play that uh, mm-hmm. "Son of a Preacher Man." Yep. Let's listen to that one. What a fantastic track there, Jiang. And that was obviously a live version, wasn't That's it? That's correct. That was from a concert in 1979 at the Royal Albert Hall. And um, it's very interesting. It's um, uh, uh, there, were, there were many things which hap- uh, happened at the concert. First, for instance, Princess Margaret was in the audience. Mm-hmm. This was exactly 10 years after uh, the release of... Uh, uh, Dusty in Memphis, and I picked that live version simply because you know, you know, the recorded studio versions obviously known to everybody. And we are going to listen to another track uh, from that album towards the end of the show. Okay. So I thought it would be nice to just listen to her. And I mean, she's there. The vocals are very powerful. Yeah. And in fact, this was the time that she had actually come back 
um, uh, from a self-imposed exile. Okay. Yeah. So you know, uh, see, her record sales and her output had been declining uh, in the early seventies. So in seventy four, she uh, left for the United States uh-huh. and uh, spent some time there. That was also partly because she was getting very sick and tired of the media trying to be very pro uh, probing into her, uh, into her private life, life personal yeah. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was gay mm-hmm. and. Um, it, it it was they were hounding her, mm-hmm. and uh, so she decided. Of course, decided, in the seventies, it yeah. was it was a major thing then. Then that's one thing. The other thing is that this was also the time that because of her relationships and uh, uh, ups and downs, um, she was into drugs and alcohol, and also was had to go to the hospital a couple of times for having inflicted self harm. Oh, yeah. So it was it was there were a lot of complex characters but you know coming back to this Albert Hall concert it's interesting that there were flaws in fact in that you know the band was not there quite there the backing singers sometimes but she managed it and the 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 great thing about this lady was that despite the fact that she came across somebody who lacked confidence mm-hmm. um and they it was said about her that she was very nervous very apprehensive all sorts of things but you couldn't hear that when you hear that, heard that rendition. Yeah, she is incredibly talented. And I suppose once, you know, it's that passion, you can hear it in her voice and, and nothing else really matters then, does it? It's cruel. But, you know, even when she recorded Dusty in Memphis, mm-hmm. um, in a studio which had seen the likes of um, Aretha Franklin and B.B. Uh, uh, King and other soul artists record, and she said, my God, how can I even stand in front mm, of this microphone? There's so much pressure, isn't yeah. there? I mean, and she was... An absolute stickler for perfection. So she actually re-recorded the vocals in New York after those sessions because she was not satisfied. All right. My goodness. Yeah. And that actually came from her father. Mm -hmm. Yes, because we didn't talk about her early life. Um, Yeah. We know that she wasn't trained. Yeah. Um, But was she from a musical background? Well, she was not from a musical background, but she was from a family that loved music. Her father loved music. So obviously they they were never, they never deterred her. Mm The only thing is her father himself was a stickler for perfection and that caused a lot of problems in the family. Okay. Uh, So it was a bit of a dysfunctional family. In fact, there have been stories about them having food fights. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like fun, but still. <laughs> but you know, she was not born Dusty Springfield. She was born Mary Isabel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien. Oh right, okay. Right, and the Dusty name came about because you know she used to love playing football, football, football with the boys. Uh-huh. And she was a bit of a tomboy yeah, herself, so they called her Dusty. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's where her nickname came from. Yeah, and the Springfield came from some field where uh-huh. she and her brother and they, were, they had a trio that would play around and uh, play in. Pub, okay. So that's where they gave themselves the name Springfield. Okay, so that's nice. <laughs> that was the genesis of her name. Brilliant. So her music then, I mean, did it change over time? So after her being a recluse for a while, what happened after that? Well, you know, she um, rec- released two albums in the late 70s. Uh, it Begins Again and Living With Your Love. And then again, there was a period where um, she was kind of, she did a few shows and, um, uh, you know, did the did few odd song here and there. But then in 87, she was invited by the Petra Boys Mm-hmm. to do um, an album with them 
and um, and you must have heard, what have I done to deserve this? Yes, you yes, know. that's not a popular one. Yeah, that is, that is. Uh, I might <laughs> have been a little uncharitable there, but I won't. I'm here on air. And, you no, know. no, you can say what you like. What yeah, when you, I what heard you... that, when I heard that song, I thought, what have I done to deserve this? <laughs> <laughs> so you was, didn't like it, obviously. Uh, I thought it was sacrilege, frankly, uh. because, um, no, no, you, you, when you have a voice like hers, this is not what you do. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. it's their point of view and... You know, she was uh, obviously uh, uh, she wanted to collaborate with them and do it with them. And uh, was it them? Was it the Petrol Boys who actually approached her, or was it that she wanted to work with them? I, I assume no. That they, they invited came to her. her. I mean, yeah. one of them was quite a big fan of hers. Okay, okay. They mm. obviously saw a good thing and thought maybe it could improve theirs. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, okay. Yeah. No more talk about the Petrol Boys. Then. Yes. And then. In the 1990s, she released an, uh, a couple of albums. Those were the last two. One was called Reputation, mm-hmm. which made the top uh, 20 UK album charts. Mm-hmm. And her last album was uh, something called A Very Fine Love, which was actually supposed to have been named Dusty in Tennessee. Okay. You know? Okay. But, uh, 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 sorry, Dusty in Nashville. Oh, yeah. right. But uh, was changed. It was um, released in 1995, and uh, then while recording that album, she was unwell. Mm-hmm. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, right. And she, in fact, uh, went through chemo, and uh, she was in remission after that, and it came back, unfortunately. Oh. You know, this is when you know she was uh, in her sixties. She was yeah, sixty. She was close to sixty, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, that is when they announced the OBE for her. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't go. Or she, her people said, well, you know, she's in hospital or whatever. And she's recovering from cancer. And uh, that's when the queen said, no, it's okay. You know, they will come and give it to her oh, in the hospital. that's nice to be able to get it before. Yeah. That's very sad. And uh, that's how... Um, and she left us in March 1999, as I said, just a few weeks short of her 60th birthday. But her legacy lives on, both, I suppose, on both sides of the Atlantic, really. Yes, a voice that spanned decades and genres. I mean, there's not one genre that she is not... I mean, look at the, the, the stuff she did. Of course, she did soul. Mm-hmm. She did jazz. She did disco. She did uh, pop. She did uh, techno-pop. And she, I think, even did Latin. She also sang in French and Italian and German. Oh, wow. Gosh, this comes in right at the end there. <laughs> Amazingly talented. And yet, you know, you kind of think of Dusty Springfield. I just, I remember her music. I remember growing up to her music. And, and, and it takes me back to my childhood completely. And beautiful voice she had. Yeah, she had this breathy kind of sensuality, which people fell for. Yes. She could actually adapt it quite well, couldn't she? Yeah. Well, um, Jung, it's been really super learning about her. And I seriously didn't know so much. You always always educate us and you always give us an insight thank you so much for coming today now just a quick intro into the track that you're going to play windmills of your mind um i think that's that's the track also from dusty in memphis and it's quite beautiful it's one of my personal favorites and uh, i must again thank my friend Baiju mangeshkar for having uh, brought brought me close to dusty but only in the last few years obviously i knew who she was but i began to rediscover her and um, let's have a listen and thank you so much Sadia thank you Jang until next week round like a circle and a spiral like a wheel